Welcome in, everybody. Great to have you with us on this Tuesday edition. Mike Steele along with Parker Thune. We are here in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios. Hour number one brought to you, as always, by Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Home comfort you can trust. If you need heating and air needs addressed, somebody to come out and give you some help, give them a call, 405-579-3113. We have experienced lately what I would call the basketball blues or a basketball downer. Sooners dropped two home games in a row. Now they got to try and go one on the road at Kansas State tonight. The Thunder lost to the lowly Pistons on Sunday. This is a team, Detroit, that had lost 28 straight games early in the season. And Oklahoma City really wasn't uh, super competitive in the second half of that loss to the Pistons. And Detroit didn't even have Cade Cunningham available. Last night, Minnesota comes to Oklahoma City in the Paycom Palace without Mike Conley. And they win over the Thunder 107 to 101. So that is what I think is a basketball. I don't care about no basketball, Steely. You talk sooner football. That's right. right. Get into Garen Hatchet and, and, you know, height, weight, 40 time, how much can he bench, all of that stuff, which we will a little bit later, probably. But uh, this feels like a gigantic basketball game for Oklahoma tonight. Now, we said that Saturday about Texas Tech. And the Sooners lose that one by one. And again, they blow a nine-point lead with six minutes left. But tonight, man, can Oklahoma go right the ship, turn it back in the uh, in the positive direction? And beat Kansas State's lost two in a row as well. And we got all kinds of stuff going on with Jerome Tang. There's some controversy there with K-State. They're in a bad mood. The Sooners are in a bad mood. What gives tonight? Can Oklahoma go get this done? What do you think? They certainly can, no question about it. I mean, again, Porter Moser put that long losing streak at Bramlage Coliseum to bed, so at least you don't have that monkey hanging on your back as you make That's this true. trip. Yeah. But if you lose three straight, Steely, if you drop this game tonight and all of a sudden you're on a three-game losing skid, it just gets tougher and tougher and tougher to right the ship. The Sooners need this win tonight. Yes, they and do. It's not going to make or break their tournament chances. But as far as the overall morale in that locker room and the belief in themselves to contend in a deep Big 12, a Big 12 that could very well send 10, 11, even 12 teams to the NCAA tournament, every single game matters. Every single time you're out there on the floor it matters. Every possession, every free throw matters, as we saw on Saturday. Everything matters when you have such razor-thin margins as you do right now in the Big 12 Conference. And so Oklahoma can't afford another loss because, again, you get on a three-game skid, man, things can spiral out of control, completely out of control very quickly with how much of a buzzsaw this league is right now. Yeah, no doubt. If you can win one of these two at Kansas State and uh, at UCF Saturday afternoon, and then you come back the next week, you've got BYU and Oklahoma State at home, you can get back to 5-5 five and five in the league, right? Uh, so, again, if you can get one of these two, I, I think K-State is the more difficult proposition. That's the one tonight at Central Florida on Saturday. Let's hear from Porter Moser uh, yesterday, the other day, meeting with the media, uh, talking about not giving up hope on this season at all, and they are hoping for a bounce back. We got an awesome group of guys. I mean, I'm telling you. You know, there's, they're, 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 again, two games in a row. Ownership, every one of us. Coaches, players took ownership. Um, we had to get together yesterday. It's a quick turnaround. You know, yes, we, we, we know that the mistakes we made, 
And I'm, I'm, I'm really seeing they're, they're focused. I mean, we're, it's, it, it magnifies when it's one point. There's one point here or there on the team that's in the standalone of the Big 12. So frustrated, you know, frustrated is not the word, you know. Just really, really disappointed you didn't get that thing done. But in terms of their psyche, it's all, it's all, all cylinders pushing ahead, man. You've got, you got to get, get the next one. And uh, you got a very good Kansas State team who plays great at home. They play great on the road, too. But a um, lot to do to stop, the, to stop them and beat them. There you go. All right, and uh, here is Porter's scouting report on Kansas State. Really good. I mean, they've done a phenomenal job of guys coming back and then the new guys in the portal. Kaluma um, came from Creighton, obviously my alma mater, and watched him in the NCAA tournament. Terrific. Perry, Tyler Perry, watch what he, he really, really scores. I mean, he can do a lot. I think Cam Carter is the most improved player in the Big 12. I think, I mean, he's, he, I mean, he's terrific. Um, I think Geeson and McNair, they, 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 they are physical, they're long, they're athletic, and they can, they can score in bunches in transition. we really got to get back in transition. But they're, they're one, two, and three. Perry, um, Carter, and Kaluma, they're shooting the leather off it. Look at their three-point shooting percentages when you break this thing down. I mean, they are really shooting the ball, those three. Arthur Kaluma shooting 40% from three. Uh, Cam Carter, 33. Tyler Perry, 32. And 33 and 32 doesn't sound like much, but it's what they've done lately. Those percentages have gone way up. But Arthur Kaluma, again, the forward shooting at 40% from three-point range. Now let's hear from the players. Here is Milo Suzanne yesterday talking about the Sooners having to be a lot better and more efficient at crunch time. we got to know those last seven minutes is winning time. So, um think we just got to buy in second half we're away from our bench we got to really lock in and uh and know to know the scout we got to know our numbers a little better we're giving three-point shooters uh good looks out there so i think we just got to know our numbers a little better i mean shoot i think you just got to have a mindset of uh just getting ready for the next one um k-state's a good team so i think we just got to get ready for the next one our vibe we're not in there depressed or anything i mean we know it's a long season so We'll be fine. There you go, Parker. All right, so I've got the magic number. If the Sooners can get to eight, if they're eight and ten in the league, I think they're in. Seven and eleven, maybe you get in. I mean, but obviously it's a much more risky roll of the dice there. But if you can get to eight and ten or three and four right now, I looked at the rest of the schedule and I thought if they can beat UCF and Oklahoma State on the road and either split with Kansas and Houston at the LNC, then I think the kind of the schedule they can get there. But again, a couple of the – you want to hold serve at home, right? Well, you've already lost two. Guess who else is coming to the Lloyd Noble Center? Jayhawks and the Houston Cougars. And Houston, again, a nice win at Texas last night. The job that Kelvin Sampson has done there has been amazing. Think about this. Think about the conference they came from. I know Kelvin had had a ton of success. Well, you know, that conference. We'll see what happens in the Big 12. Houston is probably going to win the Big 12. And that's another major feather in Kelvin's cap if they do that. And I think they're the best team in the league. But what do you think, 8-10? and 8-10 and 10 I think would do it because that gets you to 20 wins overall. That's true. That would be 20 total wins. And I think if you win 20 games, you're in the, you're in the NCAA tournament field. Uh, you're on – you're still on the bubble, but I think you're in. I think what would get you off the bubble is winning a game or two in the conference tournament. But I think if you can get to 20 regular season wins, no matter how you fare in the Big 12 tournament, you're getting into the field of 68. And again, as I mentioned yesterday, as long as you get in the field of 68, from where I stand, Steely, that's all that matters. Because you will be battle-tested in the Big 12. 
you will have gone through the gauntlet of college basketball in terms of the toughest and deepest conference in the league. So you're going to be ready. You're going to be prepared for the grind that inevitably comes when the calendar flips to March and it's a six-game sprint to the finish line for everybody. And as we've seen time and again over the years, it's all about who's playing their best basketball. It's not about seeding. It's about who gets hot at the right time. And so the concern is that the Sooners peaked too early. I think that's the obvious concern. And they're just going to kind of coast the rest of the way, coast on into the tournament field and be content with getting into the round of 64 to the round of 32. Look, I think this is a team that is more than talented enough to get to the Sweet 16 or even deeper, but they're going to have to get back to playing their best basketball and their best basketball is played, Steely, when Javian McCollum's on his game. And yeah. he really hasn't been these he last few not, outings. Not at all. Uh, Suarez played great over the weekend. And, uh, man, maybe he can continue with his hot play and his hot shooting. But they've got to get Javian McCollum going again. I mean, he just hasn't been as big enough of a factor in these uh, last couple games at home. They've got to get more production out of him, and he's got to be a little bit more aggressive, I think, as well. So, again, the Sooners at 15-3, and 3-4 and four in the league. And uh, this game tonight on ESPN Plus at 7 o'clock from Bramlage Coliseum. Both teams currently in the midst of two-game losing streaks. Both teams very much in need of a victory. So, we'll see what happens tonight. But I think you're right. J.B. McCollum, they've got to get more. They've just got to get more. Honestly, though, Looking back, and we are 18 games into the season, we're still not halfway uh, through the conference season yet. I never thought Oklahoma was like the number nine team in the country. I thought maybe somewhere between 15 and 25. Right now they're 23. But as we talked about yesterday, really the only way this season ends up being a, a failure is if you don't get to the tournament based on where you were. Yeah, give yourself a shot. Yeah. Give yourself a shot to go deep because, it again, Seeding matters not at all once you get to the tournament. It only it really only matters in the first round because if you're a one seed or a two seed, it's almost a guaranteed victory, almost a guaranteed pass to the next round with only very few exceptions over the years. But once you get to the round of 32, man, that's where you see a lot of the chaos. That's where you see eights over ones. That's where you see 13s over fives. You know, that is where you start to see some of the more memorable games in tournament history take place in the round of 32 because I, for as much chaos as we want to act like happens in March Madness, the 16s over 1s, the 15s over 2s, even the 14s over 3s in round 1 are quite rare. But it's become pretty common these days for a 7 seed to get to the Sweet 16 knocking off a 2 or for a 9 seed to get to the Sweet 16 knocking off a one. So, again, it's all about who's playing their best basketball when tournament time rolls around. Porter Moser didn't have a top-five team in the nation at Loyola Chicago back in 2018, but guess what? They went to the Final Four because they were playing their best ball when it mattered, and that's what the Sooners need. All right, so 7 o'clock tonight on ESPN Plus, Oklahoma and Kansas State. All right, we want to thank again last year, Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line is available to you all the time right here on the program. That number is 
651-3439 on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet tax line. All right, when we get back, Baker is going to the Pro Bowl. How about that? So is Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about that and jump into some uh, recruiting stuff, transfer portal stuff. We'll do all of that next right here on The Ref. All right, our Sooner Audio, we'll make that our Ortho Central Clips of the Day. Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City. They're in the Tri-City area as well. Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. They're full-service clinics, street orthopedic, and sports medicine injuries. Riverwind Casino firing up another great promotion. Get out and play with your wild card today and uh, win your share of 80K in their new promotion, the 80K Leap Into Love Promotion. They've got another one starting uh, here in just a bit. It's the 60K Cupid's Mad Dash. That'll be featured on Saturdays. But uh, get out and play with your wild card today. Get some points on your wild card. Get all those extra entries, particularly the extra entries on Mondays and Tuesdays. And uh, hopefully you'll hear your name called in the 80K Leap Into Love promotion. They have nearly 3,000 electronic games now. They've got the best selection of electronic games. All of your favorite table games are right there as well. World-class poker room, off-track betting, best games, best bars and dining, great hotel, incredible service, and uh, once again, Riverwind Casino is simply the best. The River Buffet, Chips and Ales, Pub Restaurant, great food court. Like I said, they now have an Oasis gaming area that's smoke-free, a Skyloft gaming area upstairs attached to the hotel. The uh, newly designed gaming floor at Riverwind is real, and it is spectacular, ladies and gentlemen. Let me tell you, Riverwind Casino, thank you for your support for all you do, uh, not only with us here at the Rep, but around the community as well. Riverwind Casino is simply the best. Okay, Baker Mayfield is in, Pro Bowl. Quarterback replacing Dak Prescott, who's out with an injury. Jalen Hurts is also in. Brock Purdy is headed to the Super Bowl, so Jalen Hurts is on the roster as a quarterback as well. Jalen really didn't have a Pro Bowl season, but he no, is still really. getting to the Pro Bowl. Baker Mayfield, I think you can say Baker had one. I mean, if you tally all of the numbers again, uh, career high in touchdown passes during the regular season with 28, you add the six that he threw in the playoffs, 34 for the season with 12 picks and uh, on the year. So, uh, again, career high in passing yardage and uh, was really great with Dave Canales as the offensive coordinator. Unfortunately, now Dave Canales, uh, you know, is headed to be the uh, head coach of the Carolina Panthers. You know, Baker is a free agent. What if he ends up somewhere else? Chris Plank. I refuse to acknowledge that possibility. Could you see? I refuse to acknowledge the possibility the Tampa Bay Buccaneers franchise quarterback and Pro Bowler Baker R. Mayfield I hear you. will end up anywhere else. But what you never know. What if the Raiders come and offer him a lot more money? No. Denied. You can't see Baker in a Raiders uniform? No. I can't. Chris Plank can. I'm sure Plank can. Plank can see everybody in the black and silver. I don't know. If there was another organization, though, maybe the Raiders would be a decent fit. What do you think? Who even plays quarterback for the Raiders? Who is right? the dude Isn't it, who Garoppolo? The, yes, but it was the uh, the other dude down the stretch who was there. Oh, Aiden O'Connell. Aiden O'Connell, yeah, AOC. Yes. Not that AOC. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned AOC. I'm flipping the channel right now, you pansy. All right. The uh, – but Baker in a Raiders uniform, that would uh, it, it would be a nice look. 
because he kind of personifies the Raiders. I don't know if he would drink as much beer as Ken Stabler did back in the day. And Emily, his wife, is not the wild woman that Wicked Wanda was, the Snake's old girlfriend. Wicked Wanda? Yeah, that was, uh, that was Snake's, one of his latter-day girlfriends. He, Wicked Wanda. He hung around with Wicked Wanda, yes, and he had his own brand of beer. It was called, like, Snake Venom or something like that. So, but I don't know. I don't know. But Baker Mayfield is going to the Pro Bowl. I Yeah, I think we would all like to see him stay with the Bucks. But, man, the Dave Canale... Why is it every time that Baker looks like this, he's finally going to get some stability and not have to deal with, you know, a new coordinator every year, and now Dave Canales does such a good job with that offense that he goes to Carolina. Now, he's going to get make, make some good money there, but Carolina's still going to stink, right? Yes, it's a miserably run organization. It is. Ownership down, it is a dumpster fire. However, Canales did take the Buccaneers wide receivers coach, Brad Idzik, with him today. I don't know if you saw that. So, yet another staffer that Tampa Bay has to replace. Wouldn't it be great if we lived in a society where football coaches couldn't go anywhere? Once you sign, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Do you really you, want that? That's right. I wish you is still the head well, coach in Oklahoma. Well, you know, there are certain exceptions, uh-huh. but all this moving around everywhere, being able to make more money. I mean, come on. You heard it here first, folks. Steely would still like a world in which Lincoln Riley was the head coach, Alex Grinch was the defensive coordinator, and Roy Manning was coaching cornerbacks. Now, what the I'm, I'm thinking about going back to the days of Barry Switzer, we have the technology now. We could clone like Barry Switzer and, you know, just bring in the new king right after, you know, the old king starts to wear down a little bit. Barry's doing well in his old age, but. Your best coach, you just get to clone with the new technology. That's a good idea. Right That's there. not a good idea. That's Steely. a science no. fiction no. movie, too, but why not? I hate AI. AI needs to be canceled. Or at the very least, regulated. It is bad. AI is not good for our society. It is. You're right. You're right. See, now we can agree. Can we do that shake hands emoji thing? Yes, of course. Right. Because I agree. You see what happened to... Hayes Fawcett's edit because it was AI. It was comical. And by the way, the people who are upset about edits, I mean, it was pretty bad. I will tell you that even my untrained eye was like, gee, that's pretty ridiculous. But I, what did I say not long ago that society will end when the AI robots take over? That will be the end right there. We'll build up so much artificial intelligence that eventually – it will destroy us. And it all starts with a Hayes Fawcett edit. That's the break. That's like Archbishop Ferdinand or whatever, World War One. Who was it, Archduke? Was he an Archbishop or an Archduke? Archduke. It's the first shot. He was an Archduke. Okay. That's right. He was an Archduke. So anyway. But, yeah, I, I don't know. But people were very upset with the edit. Creek Sooner says that needs to be a plot on Fansville. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Jay in Tulsa says, Steely just outed himself as an Oklahoma State operative by inferring he wanted mules. I back. did not say that. I said to clone Switzer. You go back in time and you clone Switzer, you know, in 73 when he started out with, uh, what was it, 28 straight victories. They had the tie with USC. But that's what you do. That's, I mean, we have the technology. They did it with a $6 million man, right, back in the day. We have advanced technology now. 
Shark says, yes, sir. Base play, 16 and 17 lead option, and Keith Jackson on the tight end reverse. <laughs> Long live the king. Hey, we were talking about yesterday. By the way, um, Garen Hatchett became official. We saw that yesterday. That is correct. And as you look now, the uh, the portal additions for the O-line, you've got Fabechi Nwewu. You've got Spencer Brown from Michigan State, uh, Nwewu from North Texas, Michael Tarquin from uh, USC, uh, Jaron Hackett now, Garen Hackett from uh, Washington. See, Man, was, if only you had OU Gino. That's right. Uh, and in the recruiting class, you've got B.J. Brooks, you've got uh, Eddie Pierre-Louis, you've got Isaiah Autry, and you've got uh, Daniel Akinkumi and Josh Isosa from Edmond Santa Fe. So of those, that's, what is that, nine? Nine new offensive linemen. And we know what's coming back. Which one, one or two, is most likely to make an impact, in your opinion? Of the freshmen or of the transfers? Of that group of nine. Oh, gosh. Well, I think Nawawu's a starter. Okay. I think I think three of the four are going to start for Oklahoma next year. My money is on Nawawu and Hatchet as your starting guards. And then I think it's a toss-up between – whether it's Jacob Sexton at left tackle and Spencer, Spencer Brown at right, or Jacob Sexton at right and Michael Tarquin at left right now. That's kind of how I see it. There you go. All right, and uh, Garen Atchett again. It became official uh, yesterday, although his brother Landon is uh, right now still at Washington. For how long? Is that the question, for how long? Let's see what happens in the post-spring window. There you go. Yeah, that, you know, her a whole another round of the portal is uh, coming after spring football. And uh, the Sooners got D.J. Terry last year in the spring portal, didn't they? They did. Yes, D.J. Terry and Phil Paya. There you go. D.J. Terry turned out to be a player. They got uh, way back when they got Mike Woods, right, from yeah. Arkansas in the yeah, spring portal. that's right. Who else was a spring portalee? Mike Woods, DJ Terry. I'm trying to. Th- I can't recall. Did Andrew Anthony else. was he a spring portal? No, guy? Andrew Anthony came over the winter. Okay. I don't. Think I'm sure there the text line else. will help us out. Could be wrong. I don't think there was anyone else. All right. Oh, uh, LV Bunkley, Shelton, maybe. That sounds right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I get lost. There are nine million people on their computers right now out in our listening audience, and they'll they'll answer. So. Unfortunately, there have been nine million portal editions over the last three years for Oklahoma, too. <laughs> That's true. All right, we got a break right here, 405-651-3439. That is 405-651-3439. All right, a little more recruiting and uh, portal stuff. Thanks to Brent Swift and uh, Swiftco Roofing and Construction for the portal updates. We appreciate those very much. Online, BrentSwift.com. You can call them up and uh, rely on their 25 years of uh, roofing, remodeling, and construction experience with Brent doing all the work. And he's got a great track record, 405-831-8222. Swiftco Roofing and Construction, BrentSwift.com. Be right back. Tuesday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. We are in the Buffalo Wild Wings studios today. Like the temperature out there, much better than it had been. I think I'm finally over this junk that I've had for about two and a half weeks. 
course, you might uh, go to a doctor, but you know what? A doctor takes time, and there are waiting rooms and all of that stuff involved, so uh, usually I don't go. We'll see you now. The doctor will see you now. And then you go to another waiting room. You sit on that butcher paper and waits. And then they come in 20 minutes later. I'm just going to take your temperature, you know. And then you go to another room. It's like a shell game. And there's a charge for each room. So that's why, unless I think there's something uh, fatalistic, I usually don't go. It takes too much time. Sitting in there with a bunch of sick people waiting with old magazines. Who reads magazines? People waiting in doctor's offices. The old? That's about it. Not me. I've got what they call a smartphone. Has Wi-Fi on it. And I can see all the latest egomaniacal uh, tweets from everybody. That's what I do. What magazines are still in circulation? That's what I want to know. Because we know Sports Illustrated isn't. Is Time still out there? Like, uh... Newsweek, Popular Mechanics. You know what it is? It's a bunch of ladies getting stuff because, you know, uh, my mom always got, you know, Home and Garden and Southern Living, and those subscriptions somehow never end. They're still in your mailbox all the time. Most of what percentage of actual mail do you guys get? Now, you're both young, so you probably don't have a lot of real mail that comes in. But I would say 90% of what we get is complete junk. I would say probably 60% of what we get is junk. We don't get a lot of mail in general, though. So the older not- you are, the more mail you have. You've accumulated mail over the years, and the snail mail keeps coming. Somehow, you, you can't stop it sometimes. Like, Shay gets, uh, you know, Shay's mom passed away. It's been a while now, and her aunt, and they still have a bunch of magazines, and they come to us now, and it's like, you open the mailbox and you've got like got to tug all that stuff out of there. It's so tight. <laughs> oh, smooth. I remember like, those Good days. Lord. Oh my gosh, there are twelve magazines in here that are all going right in the trash. In the subscription, please. I remember those days being nine, ten, go get the mail, and I go out and get the mail and it's jammed like there's so much mail you gotta actually like you can't take it all out in one handful. Mm-hmm. At least not at that age got to throw some under your arm and go back in for a second trip yeah and uh, we've killed sports illustrated that's what our society has done great writing from like dan jenkins and frank deford photography walter ias jr you know some of the best writers in the history of sports writing and we killed the magazine so Puerto Rican suitor says 60% of my mail is different people's mail. What if there was a 1983 SI swimsuit magazine on the table? I might peruse. The old, uh, it, that felt like your first. Just for the nostalgia? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. You were what, see 23 what, back then? See what styles were in style back then. But as a kid, that was like your, you thought that was like a naughty magazine kind of. I remember running out there at like 12 years old like, oh my gosh, this is a- Sports Illustrated swimsuit issue. Holy cow, I got to save this. You know. But it was getting uh, SI in the mail every week was awesome. Okay, uh, so yesterday we were talking about the uh, first junior day. And the Sooners, you know, Jonah Williams, a five-star safety out of Galveston Ball, uh, 
maybe the biggest name there, there among a lot of big names. And you think the Sooners are in a pretty good spot with him right now. And one of the reasons you think they're in a pretty good spot with him is not only what Brent and company have done with, like, Brandon Hall, uh, but also that he is a baseball prospect, and Skip Johnson has done very well there. Skip Johnson has done very well there. Skip Johnson is a dynamic recruiter, man. That dude does not miss. Well, you get and, Taylor Tatum and James Nesta, you know, already in this incoming class, and they're both going to play baseball, and they're both really highly touted prospects. And Jonah Williams, again, maybe that will be the difference between Oklahoma landing him and him going somewhere else. Well, and you spend any degree of time amount around Skip, you come to understand he's just a very straight shooter, just a very honest character. You know, he's got that country boy type of persona to him. And – He's just a very congenial human being, an easy person to get along with, somebody that, you know, you imagine him having a conversation with a recruit, or you imagine yourself in the shoes of a recruit. It's hard to figure that you would walk into Skip Johnson's office and feel uneasy Yeah, in any capacity. He's got a good sense of humor. He's easygoing. And uh, so, yeah, I think he's been an asset, clearly. Now, I was thinking about OU football players who played baseball. And, you know, Taylor Tatum, James Nesta are going to when they get here. Maybe Jonah Williams will be, you know, next in line if he ends up committing to Oklahoma. But you start, you think about Kyler Murray, obviously. You think about way back when, during the Enos Seymour days, Mickey Hatcher, who ended up playing Major League Baseball, was a punter and played some wide receiver for OU. Um, Brandon Jones also uh, played baseball. The uh, the backup quarterback for OU, I should remember, because uh, I did the baseball, 85 and 86. Oh, Glenn Sullivan. Glenn Sullivan was a backup quarterback for OU back in the 80s. He played baseball for Enos Seymour. Cale Gundy played. Cale Gundy, I think, pitched in a couple games. Really? Yeah. He he was a, you know, both he and Mike were both pretty decent uh, baseball prospects back in the day. They were really good at whatever they did. Uh, Cody Thomas, of course, yep. right? Yep. And I'm trying to think if there's anybody else. Bud Hebert. Cade Horton, I think he spent one season on OU's football roster. Did he really? I think he redshirted. He only ran with the scout team, if I recall correctly. But I can see that. He's kind of a husky Yeah, he guy. was a – well, in, in high school, he was a dang good quarterback over mm-hmm. at Norman High. Yeah. Steve Rhodes, says David from Norman. Steve Rhodes, who uh, was a wide receiver for the Sooners back in the 70s, good player. Yeah, Gundy says Sean pitched in the World Series, so – uh, I think he arrived late, but yeah, Cale Gundy was on uh, the baseball roster for a while. What about uh, way back when? I'm trying to think if Jack Jacobs played. That was a long, 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 long time ago. Brian Shackelford says the 405. Was Shackelford, I'm trying to remember, was he the punter back in the day, 405? I believe so. So there you go. And maybe there's some others, but uh, Kyler will be at the top of the list, even though he never played. But guys who played the major leagues, Cody Thomas played in the major leagues and still playing. Um, Kyler Murray, you know, was picked in the very high portion of the first round. But, you know, you think Kyler would ever go play, like for the A's or somebody? He's not going to need to. Probably not. And, you know, Kyle, like by the time he is done with football, whether that's in three years or ten years, He's going to have made enough money 
to that point in his football career that he'll just be able to chill at home and mm-hmm. play Call of Duty. Yep, that's what I was thinking. On the couch playing Call of Duty. Uh, Mickey Hatcher made it to the majors. He was with the uh, Dodgers for a while. I, wasn't he on that Kurt Gibson team? Yes, he was. Mickey Hatcher. Uh, I think he was in Minnesota for a while, but uh, those two I know did. Obviously, Cody Thomas and Mickey Hatcher. There's probably somebody else. I'm thinking OU football players who played baseball. So there you go. And maybe Jonah Williams would be the uh, the next one in line. How highly touted is he as a baseball prospect? Do you know? Taylor Tatum and, uh, and Nesta are both pretty highly thought of, right? I mean, he's a good baseball player. He's definitely a college baseball player. He's not that guy like he is in football. Jonah Williams' future is on the gridiron. Yeah. Just like Tatum and Nesta. Well, I, you know what? Nesta might end up having more of a future in baseball than football because he is a really good pitcher. Tatum, you know, he's a premium player at a premium position in football. You know, he's that's the sport where as long as he's productive in college, the long term earnings, I think, for him in football probably outweigh what he can do in the sport of baseball just because even if you do make it the major leagues right and I think this was Kyler's thinking back when he had to weigh the decision as to whether he was going to play pro football or pro baseball even if you do make it the major leagues sure at that point you're making a good amount of money but you got to spend years in the minors get a, to get there you and, need a nice signing bonus but you're gonna be riding a bus for a while and the minors do not pay well at all yeah but you get to get, learn lessons from Crash Davis right about going to the show when you're on that bus. All right, uh, 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, keep those texts rolling in. You guys, again, doing a tremendous job. Thank you very much. Let's come back and uh, hit some more text. The Thunder, I'm a little bit worried. You lose to Minnesota. You lose to the Pistons. You've got J-Dub with an ankle injury. You've got an angry Nuggets team coming to town tomorrow night who you dominated in Denver the last time you played. Could the Thunder be in for a little uh, rough road here over the next part of the schedule? We'll talk about that coming up next, too. All right, back with you, Tuesday edition, Steelman and Thune here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. So last night, big game between the T-Wolves and the Thunder. The Thunder missed an opportunity to win the regular season series with Minnesota. So the uh, team split the four-game series. Minnesota wins 107-101. They did it without Mike Conley available last night. And the problem for Oklahoma City is, number one, Minnesota's really good, but outside of Shea and J-Dub, there wasn't any help scoring-wise. Chet Holmgren had four. Lou Dort had two. Between Chet and Lou Dort last night, two of 16 from the field, 0 of 8 from three-point range, six points. Now, look, Chet has had a great rookie season, no doubt about it. Been phenomenal on both ends. Huge, huge, huge for the Thunder's future. Played very well in the win over the Pelicans on Friday. But some are suggesting, well, he just looks tired, man. They need to get him some more help. Maybe it's the rookie wall. We'll see. Now, the trade deadline is a week from this Thursday. So that would be Thursday, February 8th. Uh, You know, they they need to get him, I think, a little bit of help. Maybe somebody, uh, one of the names that I like that's out there, possibly is Isaiah Stewart from the Pistons, about 6'9", but he shoots about 37% from three-point range. So you get get a guy who could still shoot it and help out 
and maybe log some extra minutes because it does look like Chet is a little bit tired right now. Anthony Edwards, though, last night, and he's a really good player, but he's super annoying, 27 points. And this kind of feels like the old Oklahoma City-Memphis rivalry. Now, the Grizzlies played it much differently. The Grindhouse, Tony Allen, Zach Randolph, all all those guys, um, you know, that they had. Clearly, they were a slow-it-down, mug-you defensive team. The, you know, the, uh, the T-Wolves can score and get up and down the floor. Anthony Edwards, former number one pick, great player, obviously. But uh, Anthony Edwards likes to go after the officials, and this was the T-Wolves postgame show last night. And tonight it was the battle amongst the best in the West. You guys take sole position of number one in the West. How did you get it done in this environment? I don't know. I don't know. And I'm going to take the fine because the refs did not give us no calls tonight. We had to play through every bump, every grab. I don't know. I don't know how we won tonight. Uh, Big shout out to my team. Big shout out to my coaches for sure. There you go. Anthony Edwards again. Great player. He also said uh, the mic caught him. Uh, after the game, saying cheating ass refs in the post game, he also played. We were playing eight against five, so there will be a fine coming for Anthony Edwards. He, you know, it'll be pocket change for him. But I don't know. We've got a new rivalry, Minnesota and Oklahoma City in the Western Conference. So here's the issue now: Denver comes to Oklahoma City tomorrow night at seven. You know, we'll see what the injury situation is. Not only uh, J Dub's ankle, Isaiah Joe left the game last night. Denver, the last time the Thunder went to the Mile High City, they humiliated the defending NBA world champion. So Denver will be in a foul mood. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Then Friday you have Charlotte. Sunday you have Toronto. But I don't know. I'm feeling another loss coming tomorrow night. At this point, <laughs> it wouldn't have hurt the Thunder if Giddy had gotten arrested. Jeez. Slim. Well, there were some times last night where you're like, no, and Dort couldn't, you know. Lou Dort is a very streaky three-point shooter, but last night they didn't have it. And look, Chet is a great young player, phenomenal on both ends, only going to get better, only going to get bulkier. Now, he's never going to get, you know, super bulky because of his frame, but he's highly skilled. But Gobert, who's a multi-time Defensive Player of the Year award winner in the NBA, certainly has him – a little bit intimidated, and Minnesota's got good size. He was way too hesitant last night. But you look at what happened uh, with Valanchunas the other night, who's very physical in New Orleans, and Chet was great. So we'll see. The rookie wall, though, may be hit. I don't know. Some people can get by it. Some can't. But I do think the Thunder needs another big body. So there you go. 405. 405- 651-3439. Kenipple Meyer Chevrolet Texan. Are you guys done with Better Call Saul yet? We are not. Uh, in the middle of season three right now, okay. I believe. Yeah. Kind of had to move at a slower pace. Who's your favorite character? Kim Wexler? Uh, I don't know. I, 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 I really like Saul Goodman slash Jimmy McGill mm-hmm. as the main protagonist. I do. Like, Bob Odenkirk is a genius. Yes, it's a very it's a very well played role. Uh, I would say my favorite character outside of outside of Saul, Mike, is probably Mike. Mike is so good. He was yeah. so good in Breaking just, Bad. He's just the man. Right? No nonsense. Uh, not at all, man. Grizzled. 
<laughs> he is a grizzled veteran. But the man knows what to do. He certainly knows what to do. Howard I would probably be your least favorite, would be my guess. Oh, yeah. Howard is – I don't know if there are strong enough words that are FCC appropriate for how I feel about Howard. I will say, whatever the actor's name is that plays Howard, I don't know offhand, but does a great job of just playing a very hateable He's very being. punchable, yes. Yes. He, you know, he's very, very punchable, no doubt. He definitely gives off that legitimately sleazy lawyer vibe. Like, too cool. Yeah. He does, no doubt. All right, uh, 405-651-3439 on the Meyer Chevrolet text line. That's 405-651-3439. Junior day round two coming up. Junior day round two. Which is the um, bigger round? Was it round one or round two? Round one two? was bigger. All right. Round one will be bigger. Uh, that was the heavyweight us. class. We're going down to welterweights with round two or what? No, I mean, there's still going to be some big names on campus this weekend. Four-star wideout Cooper Perry from Arizona, one guy that the Sooners are trending well with. Uh, They're kind of a step behind because Oregon, Arizona State, UCLA, several other schools have been recruiting him a lot longer than OU has. But it'll be his first trip to OU this weekend. Just had an exclusive interview with him over on OUinsider.com. Had some real interesting things to say about the program, about Emmett Jones. And I'm sure we'll touch on this more in Locked In later, but there is a possibility, nothing is confirmed yet, but there is a possibility that Lincoln Cure is going to be in town this week. Ooh, here we go. Lincoln Cure, ladies and gentlemen. On his way to Norman, perhaps. All right, the 918 on the text line says Nacho Varga. Great character also, no doubt. No doubt about it. All right, we got a break right here. Thanks to Last Year Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. Let's talk more Sooners versus K-State here from Porter Moser. When we get back, keep it here on The Ref. Here we go. Jumping in to hour number two. Sooners at K-State tonight, Bramlage Coliseum, 7 o'clock ESPN+. Plus. Oklahoma back-to-back losses to uh, Texas at the LNC. They lost that one by 15. Then they lose by one to Texas Tech last Saturday. Kansas State, back-to-back road losses by 11 at Iowa State, by 22 at Houston. The Sooners, a sixth seed in the latest bracketology Rankings from Joe Lenardi released today. Need to go get a road victory. You've got a road game at UCF on Saturday. I think that's like a 4 o'clock tip, by the way, which is really kind of weird. But, um, you know, if you can get one or two and then uh, come back and beat uh, your next two opponents who would be at home, BYU and then Oklahoma State, that would be uh, big for Oklahoma. If you get both on the road, that would be awesome. But K-State is – Kind of in a desperate uh, situation, just like the Sooners are coming into this game tonight. Good feeling? No real feeling, Parker Thune, on this matchup? What are you thinking? I'm sorry, what matchup? The OUK State matchup tonight. Good feeling, no feeling, bad feeling. Where are you on this matchup? I I have a bad one, I got to tell you. Yeah. I'm leaning in the direction of a bad feeling. 
I don't have any strong feeling. One I, way or the other, but I have a good feeling about it's Saturday. Hard, it's really hard to have a good feeling the way that the Sooners have played basketball the last couple of weeks. By the way, just saw it on my social media feed. That's why I was a little distracted there. Oh, CJ Colden, mm-hmm. remember him? Oh, yeah. Uh, just signed with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the CFL. See, there you so. go. He made some plays during his time he at He did AU. make some plays. Obviously, uh, spent time in camp with the Minnesota Vikings this past summer. Didn't break their 53-man roster. Uh, went down to the practice squad for a little while, but he's headed to the CFL. So congrats to him. And he is going to be playing ball up north in the great white north, as it were. Who's the greatest CFL player of all time? Warren Moon? I mean, Doug Flutie? Like it's hard not to say Warren Moon. I mean, is there anybody else that would have I don't know. Spent- We'd have to Google it up. I, I'm... I used to watch some CFL as a kid. I remember Warren really? Moon, Edmonton Eskimos. Yeah, when we first got cable TV. How do they even play Canadian football? Don't they have those weird They've got, aren't wacko they, rules? And the end zones are like 25 yards or 20 yards, I think. They still have the goalposts in the middle, too. I mean, uh-huh. It, doesn't that stuff. look weird when you see the old uh, NFL films? Like, you know, some dude <laughs> running a post route goes crashing into a goalpost. But, yeah, Warren Moon, Edmonton, Eskimos. Where was Flutie? Was he Calgary? Calgary, yeah. Canadians, they can't play football like Americans. They might be able to hockey better than us, but not in football. They can have hockey, for all I care. Greatest CFL players of all time. While you talk, I'll yeah, that's J.C. Watts. That's right. David Overstreet played uh, for the Montreal Alouettes. J.C. in a nice, uh, won a Grey Cup, says uh, Big Rich. Yeah, J- Toronto Argonauts for J.C., I believe it was. I did not realize Moses Madu had played in the CFL. Of course, he's back in OKC now. I think he coaches at Bishop McGinnis, if I remember correctly. But obviously he had his day at Oklahoma as part of that backfield crew that also included DeMarco Murray and Chris Brown. And then uh, he he played for the Buccaneers for a minute. Not very long, but I know he was with the Buccaneers briefly. Uh, the top 50 players in the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, I guess this was voted on. Doug Flutie was number one. George Reed, number two. Jackie Parker, three. Mike Pringle, four. Warren Moon, number five. And let me see if uh, I can see any others that. Uh, see if they got JC on here anywhere. JC Watts is. I don't see JC on here. I would think he, he would be on there. Anyway, somebody can do the research. But uh, yeah, the CFL. Um, came on i think it was the usa network and i remember getting into it because they had vince ferragamo at quarterback for the montreal alouettes before he went to play with the rams took the rams that ray malavasi rams team to the super bowl lost to the steelers but uh because david overstreet former sooner was a running back on that montreal alouettes team and then he eventually came back to the nfl and played with the dolphins before he you know had that unfortunate the car accident but uh again yeah i remember watching that for the first time and you know back then we thought it was the greatest thing ever to have 36 channels on cable tv this is great now you've got 3600 channels and you're always looking for something to watch 
I didn't realize they had cable TV back in your day, Stan. They, I got it, would have been my junior year in high school. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and uh, before that, it was the old antenna, man. You had three, well, you had obviously ABC, NBC, CBS, PBS, and then two UHF channels. Yep, see, I didn't grow up with cable. We had an antenna, so that was really all we got. Fox, ABC, CBS, NBC, mm-hmm. and PBS. So all there really was to watch was sports on the weekends. Don't forget Jim Kelly and Steve Young. Now, they were USFL players, though, right? LA Express for Steve Young. And yep. Jim Kelly was the Houston Gamblers, Mouse Davis. So, yeah, we're talking about the Canadian Football League. So, uh, so anyway, all right. Uh, Porter Moser on the matchup tonight at Kansas State. The Sooners are in. Uh, you know, they were sitting pretty, Parker. They win at Cincinnati. They're three and two. You hold serve at home. All of a sudden, you're five and two going to Manhattan. But they lose to Texas. Texas played its best game of the year. Uh, it was nice to see Houston get that dub last night in Austin in overtime. And then uh, Texas Tech. You know, they, they surrender a nine point lead with six minutes to play with another great uh, crowd there at the LNC, and they lose both those games in Norman. Let's hear from uh, Porter trying to keep his team upbeat. And, you know, they sounded that way yesterday during the media session, but Porter reminding everybody there's still a lot of season left. Absolutely. That's the message. That's the message. It is It is a journey. It is going to be a grind. You are going to have these things, and we, we, you've got to fight back. It's a new day. Every game's a new opportunity. Um, none of them are easy. But, man, there, there are opportunities. And if you stay in the dumps, if you stay feeling sorry for yourselves, you, you will. And uh, so our message has been, first, where we learn from, what we do better. And then, second, let's go. Let's get better. This is what we got to do to stop Kansas State. This is their strengths. This is what we can do. And it's got to be that kind of positive uh, energy and, like, just – a, a hole in your belly too. Don't forget that loss. Trust me, I had that loss burns at me. And uh, but you gotta you gotta have you gotta tr- put it into a positive thrust into this next game. There you go. And uh, you were talking about. And I think a lot of people share your sentiments that JV McCollum has to be the JV and McCollum that we saw earlier in the season. It has to. You know, and uh, he's got to be more aggressive too. He just. Uh, He's trying to get his teammates involved. I get that. But, you know, and the problem really for OU right now is who's the go-to guy? Yeah, well, and I think you want the go-to guy to be J.V. McCollum, right? That's what you would like. You would like for him to be the alpha dog, as it were, when it comes to scoring. You would like him to be the scorer. Obviously not the only guy that scores, but when you need a bucket, he's the guy you're going to turn to. And... He was that guy over the course of non-conference play. In Big 12 play, it hasn't been the same dynamic. And I don't know if it's because he himself is more reticent to pull the trigger, put the ball in his own hands in those situations, or if it's a concerted effort by Porter Moser to get the other guys more involved. And look, it's no knock on anybody else on the roster. Milos Uzan is obviously spectacular. Otega always a good basketball player. The Sooners have gotten nice com- uh, contributions from guys like Sam Godwin and John Hughley and Rivaldo Sorez. But there's nobody on that roster that possesses the pure scoring ability of Javian McCollum. And so what I would like to see is he doesn't, nec- he doesn't necessarily have to be Buddy Heald. 
right? But when the Sooners need a bucket, there were several instances and have been several instances over the last few weeks where they have really needed a bucket and it's been somebody other than McCollum taking the shot. I would like to see the ball in McCollum's hands and I would like to see him creating because he can create his own shot better than anybody on the roster, and that's part of the reason why he's such a pure natural scorer is because he does have that inherent ability to create his own shot. He doesn't need to. He doesn't need anybody else uh, to help him out in that capacity. He is more than good enough off the dribble. Uh, he is more than good enough as far as his handles and quickness and ability to get his defenders turned around that he can create his own shot in pretty much any circumstance, and I'd like to see him do more of it. Jalen Moore is a phenomenal athlete, too, yeah. and I'd like to see him maybe do a little bit more. I think he only had one rebound over the weekend, and uh, I think he t- if I'm right, he only attempted – I think he was, like, decent from the field. I think he was, like, three or four. But got to rebound the basketball better, certainly. They've been a good rebounding team, really, the majority of the season – uh, they went to Cincinnati and out-rebounded one of the best teams in the country. They went to Lawrence and out-rebounded Kansas. But uh, I- I'd like to see a little more from him as well. And he's had moments where uh, he's been really good. But McCollum would be nice. Suarez was really good in the loss to Tech, and he's been on a heater of late. We will see if uh, he can continue with that kind of play tonight up in Manhattan. You know, I'm thinking about – some of these uh, matchups we aren't going to see again. I remember the old Ahern Fieldhouse was a problem for OU back in the day with Jack Hartman and Rolando Blackman and Chucky Williams and, you know, Ed Neely, Mr. Rattlejam himself. Uh, Mr. Rattlejam? Yeah, he used to – he could barely leap and he would rattle a jam home. It would, like, spin around the rim because he didn't have a great vertical. But oh, he, interesting. Ed Neely, yeah, you can go ahead and Google him up. But – um and Bramlage has been a problem. Porter solved that last year, obviously, but we'll see if they can get it done tonight. Be huge for Oklahoma to get this W. I am thinking more along the lines of a loss tonight and a win over UCF. And I know UCF's been problematic for teams there in Orlando, but I think they're going to split, and I think it'll be K-State winning tonight and then Oklahoma finding a way to get one at UCF Saturday. But what do I know? Wow, Emaw Steely over and, here. I'm old and stupid, man. Don't even listen to me. Emaw well, Steely. <laughs> that's a, yeah, that's Bring coming. on the cats. Every man a wildcat. There you go. Every man a wildcat. David Johnson, yes. Tex winner back in the day. Yes, that's right. The triangle. Mr. Tex winner himself. That's right. All right, we'll break right here. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Big news for Baker. Headed to the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about that and more when we get back right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. All right, welcome back. Good to have you along. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. We were talking about uh, the Sooners hosted uh, the five-star safety out of Galveston, Texas, Jonah Williams over the weekend at Junior Day Round 1. And uh, feel like they're in a pretty good spot there. And one of the reasons why... They feel like they're in a pretty good spot. As he's a baseball player as well, uh, hit it off with uh, Skip Johnson. The Sooners, of course, in this incoming class, have both Taylor Tatum and James Nesta, who are baseball prospects, who are also going to play uh, baseball at the University of Oklahoma. And, and Skip Johnson did a nice job with them as well. 
So we were talking about former Sooners who played baseball and football. Uh, Kyler Murray, obviously. We talked about Brandon Jones and Mickey Hatcher. Uh, Glenn Sullivan, I remember, backup quarterback in the mid-'80s on the Switzer teams, played for Enos, Seymour back in the day. Cale Gundy was a pitcher, came in in the uh, College World Series, played a little bit. Cody Thomas, obviously. Um, we talked about some others as well. But so somebody asked me via that Twitter machine, as Ed Orgeron used to call it. Now it's the X machine. Well, you, that doesn't sound good. Let's call it the Twitter machine. Uh, I got DM'd. And uh, who is the greatest athlete to play at the University of Oklahoma? Wow. I mean, two names that pop up immediately, just right off the uh, Kyler Murray and Ryan Miner are the two that pop up immediately. Now, Adrian Peterson, great athlete. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you, you kind of have to think about seeing, seeing somebody else in another sport, too. So the two that would stand out to me, if I had to name one, it would be Ryan Miner and then probably Kyler. But help us out. Who are we thinking about? On the text line, 405-651-3439. Just the greatest athlete to play a sport at the University of Oklahoma. You know, the real answer there is probably one of the gymnasts. Because you talk about what they have to do. But, you know, we kind of gravitate, obviously, towards football, baseball, basketball. But greatest ever athlete at the University of Oklahoma. Any other names? I mean, there are plenty of other names, and that's the thing about this conversation is that it's just so broad. Yeah. And, you know, that superlative is so lofty that it's difficult to even begin to narrow it down. It is. Yeah, it is. And you kind of, like I said, immediately think about, well, who's played multiple sports? And you think of uh, at the top of that list, for me, is Ryan Miner 1 and probably Kyler Murray 2. 405-651-3439, Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. What do you guys think? Let us know on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line at 405-651-3439. Andre Wolfolk, leading receiver on the championship 2000 season, then switch and become a first-rounder as a defensive back. That's hard to do. It's a good call, yeah. Kevin Bookout, field events, and was awesome at basketball. Kevin Bookout, yeah, you're right. Chapstick says, don't forget guys like Kelly Gregg, who played football and was an elite wrestler. Yes, he was. Kelly Gregg was, what, 5'11"? Yeah, he's, uh, man, he, he's tough to move on that line, though, uh-huh. man. The Ravens, he was he had a long little, NFL career. He did, for yeah. being that size. Great dude, too. And, yeah, he was a really good. Maggie Nichols, Steve Dr. Death Williams, Jada Coleman, Jim Thorpe, honorable mention. But, yeah, Jim Thorpe had to, had to play at OU, though, right? Yeah, which he didn't. Keith Jackson was a freak athlete. Keith Jackson, man. Every time he touched the football, big play. Sam Bradford is a good answer. Sam Bradford, yeah. When you think about Sam Bradford, uh, obviously uh, Heisman Trophy winning quarterback, played a long time in the NFL, but he's one of those guys you heard that he was just everything he did he was good at. Like, yeah, he was a scratch golfer. I know. That's Supposedly the one that, he could have played in the NHL. That's really the one that finally put me over the top. And I love Sam Bradford, but it was like, yeah, you know, he played hockey growing up. He was really good at basketball and baseball. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's a scratch golfer, too. I'm like, damn, <laughs> even a scratch golfer? 
Yeah, some people just get, have it way easy, Steely. That's one thing. I really love golf, but I will never be a scratch golfer. But I can probably, I don't know, be a 12 handicap or something. That's probably about where I would, that would be about the best I play. 10, 12 handicap. I notice you don't walk in this studio anymore and practice your swing. I We haven't played in about a year. There's just so yeah, much going on. You're getting out of practice. I know. There's too much going on in life. That 12 handicap's going to turn into a 20 real quick. I fall asleep on the couch a lot, so it's hard for me. We used to get up, and as soon as the sun was up, we were on the golf course, but not now. Troy Aikman, Marcus Dupree, Billy Sims, Joe Washington. Yeah, all great athletes. And like I said, sometimes you think about, well, who were the who were the who were the athletes who played two sports? Marcus Dupree is still uh, Paul Cluis, the wide receiver. Hmm. I don't know. Did he play another sport? Am I missing? Was he like on the track team? I'm not sure. But I remember the name though. Marcus Dupree is still the biggest freak that I've seen at OU, and that includes Adrian Peterson. Um, like I said, when you're six three and about two fifty. Whatever Marcus was, maybe two thirty-five or something, and you can run a four-four. It's like trying to tackle Lawrence Taylor, you know, as a running back. And the problem for Marcus again got uh, aligned with that creepy dude who was trying to give him advice. And uh, but I, he, to me, is still the biggest freak. And Adrian Peterson's a pretty darn big freak. Blake Griffin was a freak. That size and jumping ability, yes. You know, Sam Bradford is probably a really good answer, I think. Sam Bradford might be my answer. In terms of overall athleticism, that might be my answer. I mean, Sam Bradford, again, I heard the same things. You know, Eddie Radosevich went to high school with him, so Uh he can validate all this stuff. Um, And Eddie was a good, great, not athlete himself. But um, he uh, he was – Still friends with Sammy B. But, yeah, I always heard those stories again that he was really good at everything. Can you be – like like if we went to play foosball or something, you know, would he still be good at that too? He'd probably be one of those guys that whatever he chooses to do, he's going to be good at. Were you naturally that way? You were baseball. You played baseball. Did you play some football and basketball too? I, I – my my hand-eye coordination was naturally very good. So, for instance, as early as like five or six, you know, generally you got kids that are that'll be struggling to catch fly balls until they're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old. That was never the case for me. Fly ball was the easiest thing in the world for me. Really, I'd just go camp underneath it and catch. It. Nobody nobody else could do that at my age. Eagle Eye Thune at a very early age. Yeah, so that was I guess that was the thing that came naturally to me. I mean, my most natural was probably baseball or uh, basketball, but golf has always been a challenge for me. And even though I love it, but it's – I'm the kind of guy that would have to go work on his swing all the time. I can get dialed in every now and then if I play a lot, but the minute I give it up and then something goes wrong, I'm in big trouble. Somebody said, sorry, but Ryan Miner is clearly the choice over Sam Bradford. Easy. Well, we were just saying that Sam Bradford is a good answer. If Ryan I had to Miner go, was also what six seven, six eight. I would say if I had to pick one, it would be Ryan Miner. 
because he excelled. He was a great baseball player. Even when he reported late, he came and he was immediately a major factor. And he was a tremendous basketball player. Kyler Murray, um, you know, you can talk about where he was drafted and everything, but I don't know. He had one year at OU uh, as the quarterback. And I remember his Heisman speech when uh, he was talking about, you know, you you helped me, uh, how hard it was and everything, because I'm sure Kyler thought he was the better player than Baker. And when Baker came back, you know, Got that extra year. I'm sure Kyler was going, man, I thought I had my opportunity. Yeah, does Kyler stick around if the transfer portal exists back then? That's a very legitimate question. Probably not. I have an interesting question for you on the other side of the break. It has to do with an aspect of the game of football that has quietly gone by the wayside, and I am sad about it. I would like to know your thoughts on it coming up. Okay, I'll give you my old perspective. It, uh, the olds and the youngs differ on a lot of things, you know that. So, All right, 405-651-3439. Get out to Riverwind Casino today. Play with your wild card. They've got a great new promotion happening right now at Riverwind. They always have the best promotions. The 80K Leap into Love. Claim your share of $80,000 in cash and bonus play. But if you play on Monday and Tuesday with your wild card, you can play the rest of the week as well. But Monday and Tuesday, you get the extra entries, up to five times the extra entries for these drawings. And uh, believe me, there are a lot of happy people winning a lot of cash and bonus play in these promotions. This is a Friday night promotion, the 80K Leap Into Love promotion. They also have the 60K Cupid's Mad Dash in February. Select Saturdays, February 10th and 24th. They have big drawings happening there in that promotion. But uh, today it would be very advantageous for you to get out and play with their wild card and have a better chance to hear your name called in the 80K Leap Into Love. We have a concert coming up this Saturday night's Air Supply at the Showplace Theater. Later in February, Scotty McCreary will also appear at the Showplace Theater. Always something happening at Riverwind Casino. Nearly 3,000 electronic games, all your favorite table games, uh, great dining options, great bars and dining. They've got everything you need The newly revamped gaming floor looks awesome because Riverwind Casino is the best casino experience in the metro area. Simply the best. All right, coming right back, I'll answer Parker's question with brilliance. Possibly. Maybe. It's 50-50, really. All right, stay with us here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Tuesday edition, Steelman and Thune here on The Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. 405-6. Five one thirty four thirty nine on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. And again, they're rolling in today. We appreciate it very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you didn't hear, Baker Mayfield selected to the Pro Bowl, replacing Dak Prescott, who will miss with an injury. Jalen Hurts will also be in the Pro Bowl. Uh, Brock Purdy is headed to the Super Bowl, so they needed somebody to fill that slot. Jalen Hurts was selected. So a couple of more Sooners headed to the Pro Bowl and, uh, you know, good for Baker. Baker had a nice uh, bounce-back season, no doubt. And let's see what's going to happen in Tampa Bay. And maybe, just maybe, he'll be offered even more money in the free agent market. We'll see. All right, what was your question? So it has to do with the NFL, All actually. Right. So okay. I'm going to stay on topic here. The National but Football League. It has become – I was reading an article the other day, and – I hadn't thought about it in a while, but then I realized, no, this is actually a really good point and something that I miss. 
it has become impossible in the National Football League to recover an onside kick, Steely. 6% of all onside kicks in the year 2023 were recovered by the kicking team. And when I was growing up, of course, this was before the NFL implemented the new rule that players can no longer be in motion before the kick. It used to be you could get a five-yard head start, right, and they'd all kind of run together as the kicker approached the ball. Yeah. Now you got to start from a standing position, and you can't move until the kicker actually kicks the ball. And so growing up, man, I remember watching NFL games in that 12 o'clock window, right, where you get the early games leading into the afternoon kicks, and you had that 325 broadcast cutoff where uh, the late game would kick in mm-hmm. if the early game was still in progress. And there were so many Sundays you'd just sit there, and there would be a close late game, one possession game in the final minutes. And you'd be looking up at the clock and back at the game, hoping – that the hoping that they could get the onside kick in before the broadcast switched to the afternoon game. And it was always just a mad scramble for the football. Not because not only could you not only could the kicking team take a running start, but you could load up with I think as many as seven guys on one side of the formation, right? So you just stack all those guys up there. The kicker would kick that dribbler bouncer hopefully get that high bounce that gave everybody an opportunity at the ball and it was really fun the onside kick was really really fun anytime there was an onside kick it was exciting and it got the adrenaline pumping now there is no such dynamic to the onside kick because you know anytime a kicker trots out there for the onside kick well, the uh, receiving team's just going to recover it. The excitement has been taken away, it no doubt. Been. And that was due to all the concussions we've made, you know, which is a good thing. Maybe we could bring back the onside kick if we had, like, those uh, things they wear on their helmets in practice now, you know? Okay, well, they, they've they made a lot of technological advancements as far as helmet safety. Yeah. In the NFL, a lot of players wear those Vices helmets. Do you which, think that it'll come back then, perhaps? It needs to. I don't know if it will. And what about the but, collisions? You know, they, they've they taken away kick returns to I a know, certain we extent gotta, as well, right? we got to stop pansifying football. That's, That's the right. Thing. You know what happened? we got to burn NFL officers. Yeah, look, I just... Pansified everything. Concussions have been significantly reduced mm-hmm. across the league. A lot of that has to do with the advent of helmet technology and safer helmets. And so I think with the improvement that has been made in that department, you no longer have to implement all of these draconian restrictions on things like the kickoff to be able to make the game safer. The game has become, the game has objectively become substantially safer over the last few years as helmet technology has evolved. And so I would like to see excitement injected into things like the onside kick once again, and that can only happen if you return the game of football to the way it was played 15, 20 years ago. And I think that's feasible. How does it happen, though? Because I guess you just have to have a a few more years of study to know how far we've come with helmet technology. Some of the helmets are just nerdy though. Like, and, and I love Danny Stutzman, but the, it's just the a weird helmet. look. It looks like he's playing rollerball, you know, 
with the old James Conn movie, and we had a rollerball, a, a, a rollerball that uh, came out, what, five, ten years ago, too. But, but whatever's the most safe. You know what? We need lax rules again. That way you can have, like, the holy roller again in the NFL where Ken Stabler throws it and Dave, Dave Casper fumbles it, and they just keep batting it forward and forward and forward and forward and recover it in the end zone. But, and, um, yeah, you you barely touch the quarterback. And I understand the quarterbacks are the stars, so you don't want, you know, a bunch of quarterbacks, you know, out for the year every year. But we have definitely pansified football to an extent. Yeah, well, Here's the deal with our society. We go overboard on everything. That is true. Right? And then we try and recorrect. We've gone overboard in the portal. And, look, the genie's out of the bottle. Maybe there can be some corrections there. But um, we might as well be playing touch football here in the next five years if we keep going in this direction. There's a 909 listener that says, you mean abolish roughing the passer? Yeah, I'll say that. Mm-hmm. I, I, and I'll stand behind that. I think roughing the passer should be abolished because I think any reasonably – egregious hit on the quarterback can fall under the technical definition of unnecessary roughness, right? I don't think you need roughing the passer as its own penalty because nowadays all you got to do is accidentally contact a quarterback's helmet when you're getting your hand up to try and bat a pass or, you know, even driving a quarterback into the ground. Like some of the roughing the passer calls that you get these days in the NFL are so bizarre. We so need to find a happier medium is what we need to do. I because we can still protect people, hopefully, better, you know, than we did uh, in the past, but it just seems like the pendulum has swung too far towards I don't know, it sounds stupid to say safety, but you know, you can't we've changed the game a bunch. I mean a a whole bunch. Uh bring back stickum. Yes. I remember Fred Belenikoff has perhaps the greatest set, set of hands in the National Football League. Yes, he's got super glue all over them. Of course he does. <laughs> Green super glue. Just Google up Fred Belenikoff or Lester Hayes, the outstanding cornerback. Fred Belenikoff or Lester Hayes, stick him. Big Rich and OKC says Crisco grease on the ball for the onside kick. Things would get spicy very quickly. Uh, a, a listener in Manhattan, Kansas, says, when the biggest pansy on the ref says football has been pansified, you know it's bad. I don't know if that's in reference to you or me, but one of us is the biggest pansy really? on the station. Who's the bigger pansy here? That's what we that's need to know. Jeez. A uh, listener in the 909 says, I agree, abolish roughing the pass or at least make all of them reviewable. The rev- The whole reviewable penalty thing. In the, I mean, there was that one-year stint where <laughs> pass interference was reviewable. Here, here's what here's what's happened, is that the NFL has become way too quick to implement rule changes when literally anything happens. Anything that becomes a big deal in the public eye uh, concerning officiating instantly results in a rule change, i.e., the pass interference no call in the 2020 or 2018 NFC Championship game between the Rams and Saints, and the next year pass interference calls are reviewable. Or Tom Brady tears his ACL first game of the 2008 season because Bernard Pollard hits him low, and instantly not only is hitting a quarterback high a roughing the passer penalty, but hitting the quarterback low 
is a roughing the passer penalty. If we go to flag football, I'm done. Seven on seven. It's the wave of the future, Steely. No, gosh, please, no. K-Dub said he was probably referring to Steely, the sissified city boy. Yeah, that's actually it was effing sissified city boy <laughs> because I said I felt sorry for the calves and the calf roping. So that's that's how I got somebody came after me. Another good point line. from a California listener. Sad thing is every major pro sport makes defense impossible to play. Man, ain't that the truth? Yeah, and look – I mean, you had safeties who were headhunters, man. Ronnie Lotz, Jack Tatum. Jack Tatum paralyzed Daryl Stingley in a freaking exhibition game, in a preseason game. Uh, Donnie Shell of the Steelers. You went over the middle in the old NFL, man. Uh, you were, you were going to get hits, and there was a good chance you were going to get hit hard, and it was going to be a headshot. So... Back in my day, we just got through concussions, you know. I mean, they did, not me, of course. I'm too wimpy. I'm the sissified city boy. Maybe some truth in that. All right, we'll take a break right here. 405-651-3439. Knippelmeyer Chevrolet Tax Line. Let's get some final texts in when we get back. Some final sports notes for you as well. Keep it right here on The Ref. All right, welcome back. Good to have you along today on uh, this Tuesday afternoon. Tuesday afternoon. The great Ted Lehman has spoken. It's not safety. It's money. Networks don't care what the viewers want. Ratings and commercials, nothing else. We allow ourselves to be robbed of our entertainment just like we allow ourselves to be robbed of our safety, money, and dignity. At some point, maybe we will all decide not to be programmed. I agree. But we're being programmed, there's no doubt. This goes back to my AI rant from earlier. That's right. You know what? Uh, half the people on uh, that are in uh, Twitter spats or X arguments are usually arguing arguing with Russian bots or something or somebody that's not real. I'm convinced of that. You saw the series Homeland. I did not see they the series. They create Homeland. these super centers the Russians do where people just sit at computers and argue with people because the Russians know the military solution is not the way to topple the United States of America. It's doing it by making us turn on each other. Now, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, per se, well, but that would make some sense. Information wars. Right now, we're pretty divided, right? Pretty divided. And most people, I would say there are a lot of bots that people are arguing with. That's just my opinion. I may be wrong. I may be crazy. I'm old and senile. But that's one that I can get behind because I heard the dude from the CIA say it on 60 Minutes a long time ago. The Russians are trying to turn our democracy upside down with information and turning people on one another. Seems to be happening. I don't know if that CIA guy was full of it, but that's that's just my opinion. Sean says 47 of all social media accounts are bots. Wouldn't surprise me, Sean, at all. All right. My, my, my question is, where do all these bots originate? 
I don't know. Like who who spends their days making bots? The scene in Homeland, and again, this was a series on Showtime, but there was a giant center where people were at computers and they were creating all these fake accounts and they were just arguing all the time with another side. And I mean, I wouldn't put that past being a realistic situation. Because some of the people you say, man, this guy's a freaking idiot. What the heck? And then you look and like, oh, he's got like four followers, you know. Um, anyway. A 240 listener out in Maryland says, Steely, as usual, you've nailed the Russian slash USA info war on its head. Your views intrigue me, and I'd like to subscribe <laughs> to your newsletter. Oh, man. I don't know. I'd probably have like three subscribers. Like I said, I'm not a conspiracy theory guy for the most part. Uh, I don't trust anybody in politics. I really don't. I just don't. I really don't. But the thing that makes most sense to me is that theory. Because, like I said, I've heard some people who worked in intelligence who have said that's what the Russians have been trying to do for a long time. I mean, it's just what I'm saying. That's right. Call the KGB. But the KGB doesn't exist anymore, right? But it's their spy service. That would be my one conspiracy that I could get behind. And now I sound insane. But I'm not. Mark in Newcastle says, Austin Powers defeated the Fembots. <laughs> That's right. Oh, who does number two work for? Oh, man. Uh, can't read that text, Big Rich. That's politically incorrect. Uh-oh. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sugar Shane in Newcastle says, it's not the Russians, it's the federal government. Who knows what to believe? You know? Who knows? I just, uh, and you know what? It's sad because there are actually some people who I think are trying to make a difference that are in public service, but I don't. I still don't trust any of them. It's sad. The, a large shadow has been cast. On either, on both. I don't trust any of them. Period. Peter Boomer Sooner says you're closer to the truth than you know. Ah, thank you. Khrushchev said they would bring us down from within. Yeah, there you go. Steely's next guest, Colonel Douglas McGregor. It's It's the Missouri fan base. Well, if anybody needs to be defeated and eliminated, it's the Missouri fan base because they're extremely annoying is what they are. They're having their uh, Andy Warhol 15 minutes right now, and they're enjoying it very much. But they're only not going to get more than 15 minutes. Here's the freaking problem. They're going to have their best team in a long time. And, of course, where does OU have to go? Freaking Columbia. Now you can go shut them up, though. You can. Stuff them back in the locker where Missouri has always been. They're having a field day on Twitter today because the University of Kansas, of course, their longtime rival, is playing four of their home games next season. This was announced today. They're playing four of their home games next season at Arrowhead Stadium, which is, of course... In the state of Missouri. That's right. Well, KU's got stadium renovations going on, right? That is, that is correct. Which is the reason for that. But, uh, yeah. The Big 12 released a football schedule, huh? 
They did. They did. Yeah, that release was today. The <laughs> Big Twelve. <laughs> Minor league football. I mean, come on, the Big Twelve. It's the Big Twelve. It's Division One football. No, it isn't. It ain't intramurals. It's closer to intramurals than it's ever been. Dan Hawkins. One of the great lines in the history of the Big 12. Tyler from Kellyville says, am I listening to the ref or Alex Jones? Well, Teddy, you know, kind of led me down conspiracy road a little bit, you know. So I took a short drive. I'm back on the highway now. Good to hear. All right. Thank you to Riverwind Casino. We appreciate you guys. Get out and play with your wild card today. Get the extra entries for the big drawing happening on Friday night. And have a great Tuesday.